Hello everyone and welcome to Not So Secular, the place where we talk about how the world we live in is not as secular as we often think. We just choose to see it that way. My name is Mon Reyes, I am a youth missionary here in the Philippines and I will be your host here today. On this episode of the podcast, I will be playing for you a talk that I gave at Youth Home Taft. Youth Home is our regular youth gathering for the feast, our Catholic community. This often happens on a weekly or a monthly basis in different places around the Mega Manila region. And Youth Home Taft, in particular, is based on Taft. Our primary reach are the students from the surrounding schools and the universities. That includes De La Salle University, College of St. Benilde, St. Sco. We even have people from University of Santo Tomas. And so it's just a good time. It's a, it's a great time to, to come together every week, hear the Word of God, pray together. This is something that we do on a regular basis. This talk in particular is about the parable of the Good Samaritan. We'll be reading the entire passage later and we'll be talking more about it, understanding its context and what it's about, what God might be revealing to us. And that's my invitation for you. Let's be open to what God wants to tell us, what God wants to say to us through His Word, what He wants to say to our situations as well. I hope that this would be fruitful. I hope that this would be helpful for you. If you are interested in knowing more about Youth Home Taft, I will be including in the description below the links to their social media accounts so that we could get connected, get in touch, and see what happens next. If you are a student, a high school student, or a college student, or if you know someone who is a student, this is, this is perfect for you. And I am excited for what's ahead, so why don't we just get started? Good evening. Hello. Welcome to Youth Home Taft. Welcome to our Wednesday evening live stream. I'm so glad that you get to join us this evening. I'm so glad that, that we're here together and that we could, we could come together and worship and praise. We could listen to each other and we could, we could be here wanting to hear from the Word of God. And that's what we're all about. If, if you're new here, if you're wondering what this is all about, this is a community, this is a family, and we're all about Jesus. We're all about Jesus. And if you don't know me yet, I'd like to introduce myself. Hi, my name is Mon. Can I get a hi, Kuya Mon? <laughs> and it's so good. It's, it's so good that we get to do this. It's so good that we get, to, we get to come together. I'm excited. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited for this evening. And I just want to let you know, I just want to let you know that if you're new to this place, if you've come here for the first time, you've come at the right time. For, for the past weeks now, we've been talking about a very important topic. We've been talking about a very important uh, theme and this, this theme of transformation. We've been talking about what it means. What does it mean to have true and lasting transformation? Because we know that that's something that Jesus wants for us. I, I firmly believe that Jesus wants to renew certain things in our lives. I, I firmly believe that there are some dead things in our lives that Jesus wants to breathe new life into. And so that's what we've been talking about for the past weeks now. Over a month, we've been, we've been, we've been wrestling with this idea of transformation, with this idea of, of learning and hearing from the Lord. 
and knowing what it means to take part in what in what he is doing here in this world here in 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 his creation it's so good that we get to we get to spend this time together and i really believe that god is about to speak something powerful into our lives this evening and if if you're ready i'm, I'm not gonna prolong this any longer let's jump straight let's go ahead and i'm gonna ask you to let's go together let's go together and let's read from luke chapter 10 verses 25 to 37 we're going to be reading from luke chapter 10 verses 25 to 37 if you have your bibles with you you could bring it out and you could read along i'm reading from the new international version if you don't we're also going to flash it on the screen so you'll see it right there here <laughs> and um and yeah let's 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 go through the word of god again luke chapter 10 verses 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do. Likewise, this is the word of God. I came from a high school that was big on competitions, real big on competitions. As in, if looking back to it, I feel like almost every month, if not every month, every other month, there's a contest happening within the school right there's always something happening and right around the time of august we, we have these you know one week uh, um activities that we would have and there are always competitions there every single year and we practice we take the time to meet outside of school hours just to prepare for these competitions and one of those is yung sabayang pagbikas 
As in, it's one of the things that we look forward to every school year because it's a big thing, right? It's a big thing for you to win one of those competitions. And every year, we would come together in our auditorium and we would watch together the different the different performances that were done from, from grades, I think it was from grade four all the way to fourth year high school. This was before K to 12, right? And so... And we were really big on competitions. What else? We had speech competitions, as in declamations, things of the sort. We had poems and essay writing contests. I, I've joined almost all of those things that I've mentioned. And uh, we have dance competitions. This is no longer part of the Bonawika program, but we have dance competitions every single year, right? All of the, the different levels would compete and would come together. This is usually something that would happen during the field demonstration on our foundation day. And, and we have sports fest, we have intrams, we have the, the Mr. and Miss intrams. It's like a pageant thing that we do every single year. We have quiz bees. We have quiz bees for science. We have quiz bees for math. We have quiz bees, you know, even specific sciences like chemistry and physics. We have, we have different quiz bees that we hold on a different, different times during the school year. We have cook fest. We even have a competition for cooking, right? For those na kapag camp. It's kind of similar to Campo de Cucina, right? Where you prepare your own meal. You kind of have to prepare the table setting as well. And you have to really pour in much effort into it. And uh, during that time, I didn't know I didn't know anything about cooking. And so I would, I would often be just the guy who would buy some stuff or would arrange the table. And, uh, oh, what else? One more thing. One more thing that we would always look forward to every single year is we had theater competitions. We would do plays, right? We would gather in the auditorium. Every single one would come to the auditorium and we would do plays, right? We would, we would perform. And it was a competition as well. We would compete to get the top spot every single year. And there was even a time, there was even a time, I think I was in second year or first year. I'm trying to remember. I think I was in first year or second year high school during this time when we wrote our own. Right? We rewrote our own piece and we, we performed it. And <laughs> it might be crazy for you to think about how I would perform in those times. But I did. I, I, was, I, was a, I would act and uh, I would write and I would, I, would, I would try to sing, not always successfully. But, uh, but I, I was, I was very heavily involved in all of these different competitions that we were doing in school. And it's crazy because it's it's those things that we really look forward to every single year. And the, you know that the competition gets intense, right? It really gets intense. I remember there was this one time when we were we were trying to uh, what do you call this? We were trying to raise a concern because because during yung sabayang pagbikas, during one of the, the one of the years that we were doing sabayang pagbikas, we noticed that that one of the other year levels who were performing during that time copied almost exactly the same thing that we did the year before when we won first place as, as, as champions. And then during this year, they won. Apparently, no one noticed. And uh, so things would get intense and we would, we would call it out and we would really, we would really be head on. And uh, as in intense, we would really be, we would really be in the game. And we would fight for these things and we would, we would really do our best. We spent so much time outside of our regular school hours just preparing, practicing, meeting together, and sometimes even arguing and fighting with one another over how to do this and how to do that. Let me know, typical high school drama. Guys, naman, no. Tara, 
Operate naman kayo. Like, usually, yung president yung gumaganyan, di ba? And uh, yung mga ganyang memories, like, shocks. My gosh, I could only, I could only look back and, and remember all of those times. And, and it's, it's crazy thinking about it. Because there's something about being part of a team and winning that feel good. There is something about being part of a team and being victorious, being a winner, being on the winning side, being part of the winning team that just resonates so much, right? It feels good. It, it, it resonates with me on a very deep level. I like winning. If you are competitive, type down comments below. This is something that this is for you. And, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. There's something about being part of a team and winning that feels good. And competition, competition feels good. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, I'm not gonna talk down on competition. It's like competition, it, it's good, right? It has its benefits. For me, for example, one of the one of the things that competition does to me is it it pushes me to strive to be better. It pushes me to to strive to to even do more, especially when I'm doing it with someone else. Right? And this is something that you see oftentimes some guys or, or even not being alang sa guys. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when you kapag nag work out kayo, it's it's sometimes it's easier when you do it alone, but there's something about doing it together that that feels good, that helps you. Either because you have someone like as a teammate who could spot you, who could help you out, and sometimes there's there's still an element of competition there. Right, because you you notice your change the, the changes that are happening. You notice your progress, and you take note of that. Right, alam niyan, alam niyan. Para sa mga competitive, it pushes us to 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 pursue goals. It pushes us to go even further. It pushes us to to go beyond how we would normally do things if we were just doing it alone. So competition has its benefits. There's something about competition that resonates. With us, there's something about being part of a team and winning those two things. Being part of a team and winning. It connects with us on a deep level. However, I would like to point out that there's something about competition. There's something about, not competition inherently, but there's something about the idea of being part of a team that is risky. Hear me out here. Because when you are part of a circle, it can be so easy to think of everyone else as an outsider. When you are part of a team, it can be so easy to just be laser focused on who's there and completely lose sight of everyone else. It, 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 it can be so easy for for us to to you know divide ourselves up into these different groups these different cliques and these different tribes there there's a tendency for exclusivity which granted it's not always avoid, avoidable sometimes it just happens it naturally happens when you form a team there are naturally people who are not part of the team Right? It's it's not always available. And I'm also not saying that it's not always bad. I'm also not saying that it's bad. But there often comes a problem 
when there is extreme exclusivity, when you become too closed in, when you become too narrow-sighted, it is, it is easy for our minds to draw lines where there are none. And this is something that we see in the story that Jesus tells us in what we could call the parable of the Good Samaritan. But before we get to that, let's do a bit of a recap of the things that we've been talking about since last week. Since last week. We've been talking about how, as a Jesus follower, we are to influence. Or what would it it look like for us to influence true and lasting transformation as Jesus followers? That's what we've been talking about, right? For a month before that, we've been talking about the heart, about the inward change that God wants to begin in our lives. And just like what we said the inward change that God begins in our hearts, in our lives, it starts there, but it doesn't end there. If, if you have encountered Jesus in a very real way, it's bound, to get, it's bound to go out of you. It's bound to be felt. It's bound to resonate. It's bound to be, to be felt by the people around you. There's something about encountering Jesus that doesn't just stay with you. And that's what we've been talking about, right? So how do we do that? How do we influence change in the Christian way, in the Jesus way? How do we do that with the people that are near to us? And that's what we've been talking about. Last week, we talked about the story of Abraham. We talked about how God created the good world. However, human beings, right? We, we, were, we, were, we fell, right? We fell into sin and we saw this spiral of sin that led from one person to another, from an individual to another, from, from, from a personal level to a group level to a societal level, that there's something broken both with our hearts and with the structures that we have built. And so that's what happened in Genesis 3 to 11. We've been talking about this. And so we, we, we've come into this dilemma. We've come into this point, this, this crucial point where, okay, things have gone bad and we've spiraled down. Now, what is God going to do about it? And what does God do is he calls this guy named Abraham. He calls this one man. And we talked about how when God moves, when God does something, he does it through people. He does it through people. He wanted to reach the world. What does he do? He calls one person. And he reaches his family first. The blessing to Abraham. That, that was what we saw, right? On one hand, there was the blessing. On the other hand, there was the partnership. And God told Abraham that you will be blessed. But it doesn't end there. He also tells him that the nations will be blessed through you. And we talked about how God doesn't just want to give something to you. He wants to give something through you. And so we, we go forward to the story and we see that God sets apart this people group known as Israel, Abraham's family. And they are to learn what it means to walk in God's ways. And they are to represent God to all of the nations. That is what they're supposed to do. And so fast forward into the time of Jesus, and that's a huge leap ahead, right? Fast forward into the time of Jesus, Israel is not yet able to fully fulfill their calling. They are still, they, they are, during this time, they are under foreign rule. They were under the hand of the Romans. And they didn't like it one bit. They were colonized. They were colonized. Try to, try to picture it during the, the time during our time in the Spanish era, in our history, it's something like that. 
And so they were living under foreign rule. They were waiting for God's move. Okay, we were supposed to represent God. What do we do now? What's happening? They were waiting for, for the move of God and they were preparing themselves. And then comes Jesus. And Jesus comes in teaching and healing and preaching. And he further reveals to them the meaning of their calling. The calling that was given to them right, right from the very beginning, from the time of Abraham, as they were called to be a blessing. To be blessed, yes, for sure, 100%, to be blessed, but also to be a blessing. It doesn't end with you being blessed. It goes on. Because Jesus wants to partner with you. And he knows that you can be a blessing to someone else. He knows that you can be the means to which someone else could experience his love. What if, what if the answer to someone else's prayers were in your hands? What if Jesus gave that to you specifically? And so that's what we've been talking about. This partnership that we have, that we are being invited toward with Jesus. And in one of his teachings, in one of his times that he was with the crowds, he tells this parable. He tells this parable. There was a man who was traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem. And he gets, he gets beat up. He becomes a victim of crime. He gets beat up. His, his stuff gets stolen. And he was left for dead. And so a priest happens upon him but decides to walk on the other side of the road. The priest walks back. And then there was a Levite. What was a Levite? He, a, a Levite is, a, is, is one of the keepers of the temple. So they were seen as, as religious servants. And so we are told that a Levite comes across this guy. And then like the priest, he walks onto the other side of the road. And he doesn't mind him. And then finally, there was a good Samaritan. That's what we call him. A good Samaritan decides to help. And it's so easy to look at this story and to, to, try to, to try to assess it and to try to draw the message from it. Okay, so what, what does this mean for me? What is the message here? Be a good Samaritan, right? Be the kind of guy who would help someone out. And yes, it's, it's true. It's very much true. But you see, Jesus is trying to Jesus is trying to communicate something deeper here. He is trying to communicate something more profound. It's more than just, you know, be a nice guy to people who don't, who, whom you don't know, right? Help them out. It's more than just that. That's a good thing to do, right? You could do that. Go do that. But there's also something more than just that. And so let's dig deeper. If you would allow me, if you would journey with me here tonight, let's go further and let's dig deeper into what Jesus is trying to tell in this story. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? And so, it helps to try to understand the context. The context. Let's begin with the context of the culture. Let's begin with the context of their environment. We call this story, nowadays, from, from, from where we're looking at it, from where we're reading it, we call this story the parable of the Good Samaritan. But for ancient Jews, for, for the Jews during that time, for the audience, for the primary audience of Jesus, a Samaritan it was anything but good. 
they were seen as terrible people. They were seen. They were despised by Jews. They were outcasts. They were a mixed. They were they were a mixed race. And so for them, they were they were like half breeds, right? And and this goes back to to a, a rich history. And this goes back to to some things that happened in the past that led to that led to this kind of of seeing each other in the present. So Jews hated Samaritans, Samaritans hated Jews. There was something about them. They saw each other as dirty. They they had these disagreements on whether how and where they should worship God. And so there, there was something about there was something about their relationship that just didn't fit well. And so for them, you could call a Samaritan anything, but you couldn't call him good. I'm trying to point out something very important here because for us it's so easy. It comes, it's, it's in the role of the tongue because we're so used to it, hearing it. The good Samaritan. When we think of a Samaritan, what do you think? Oh, the good Samaritan. And you see this used in different contexts, not just in church, right? You see this in movies, you see this in news, you see this outside. That when someone speaks about being a good Samaritan, it's like being a good person, right? But 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 wait 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 wait. I, I wanna I wanna I wanna invite you guys to take to look at this a bit deeper and to try to assess how this this line good samaritan would have meant for the jews during that time would have meant to the original audience of jesus because you see samaritans weren't the type of people that they called good and so to try to contextualize this i want to let's let's give it a bit more meat and to try to understand this in our modern times so try to think of the story in this way i, I, I would do my best to try to uh Reimagine, reimagine the story in a way that would be relevant to us today. Try to imagine it in this way. There was a man. There was a man who was traveling from. There was a man who was traveling from Pasig to Manila. And uh, he becomes the victim of a crime. And he gets beat up, gets left for dead. And so there were three people who walked by. Three people. The first person is a religious leader. A religious man. But he decides to walk on the other side of the street. The second person is an activist. Sees the guy. Sees what's happening. But there are other things to do. And so he decides to walk on the other side of the street. And then there comes the third person. The third person was a good politician and he decides to help him out. He decides to do something about it. He decides to extend a helping hand. How does this parable sound to you now? He cares for him, nurtures him, gets him a gets him an Airbnb, puts him there, makes sure that he's well taken care of. A good politician. It's crazy, huh? But there's something about it that just that doesn't feel like it sits well. And I'm not trying to make a statement here. I'm not trying to pick one side or the other. I'm not trying to say politicians are good or bad. Neither of those things. That's not what I'm trying to say here. Okay, don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to say that they are good or bad. It depends. They're individuals. Can't judge them as groups. Okay, but here's the thing. You and I both know that when it comes to politics, there's a stigma. There's a stigma in politics. And it's not exactly the most noble thing. 
we don't think highly of it. That was the exact same way that they were looking at Samaritans, that the Jews were looking at Samaritans. Okay, I'm just using this as an illustration, as an example, to help us kind of understand or at least get a grasp of how radical this statement that Jesus was saying, how intense what he, what he was trying to, to communicate to these Jews during his time, how would it have been perceived? And this is just one way of thinking about it, right? You could think about it, you could think about it in a lot of different ways, but this is just one way of thinking about it. What would you feel? What are you feeling now? crazy it's crazy. i'm not trying to scandalize anybody here right i'm not trying to make an issue i'm simply illustrating the kind of shock value that this story carries because it carries a punch and now we get to the question why is jesus saying this why is jesus saying this and here we're going to look at another context from the context of the culture we're going to take a look at the context of the conversation and this is what happens. Are you with me? In verse, in verse 29. Mm, okay, so this guy approaches Jesus, uh, expert in the law. So he was someone who was, you know, he, he knew, he was a smart guy. And um, he approaches Jesus, asks him, and um, tells him, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus says, oh, you know the commandments. And then the guy says, oh, love the Lord your God, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is something that Jesus is also taught in a separate occasion. So maybe he's heard it from him. It's possible. So he, he gives the right answer, right? And it's like that sometimes. Sometimes you can know the right words to something, but not actually know what's at the heart of it. And so that was what, what was happening at the, at the expert of the law. The one who was asking Jesus. And then verse 29 gives us a very important, a very important info. It says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Did you get that? It says that he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? This wasn't an innocent question. This wasn't a naive question. It was, it, this wasn't one of those questions that, it, it even says that at, in the beginning, it says that the, an expert of the law decided to test Jesus, right? So this wasn't some neutral question that was coming out of curiosity. There was an agenda here. Right, the expert of the law was trying to get Jesus to say something that would that would be scandalous, that would that would make people not want to follow him. Right, and so there was something happening here, and he answers correctly the first question: What should I do? What should I do? Follow the commandments. What are the commandments? Love the Lord your God, all of your heart, soul, strength, and your mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And then this guy, okay, okay, wait on, wait on. All right, all right, I should love my neighbor. I I should love my neighbor, but. There are people who are not my neighbor, right? That was what he was essentially saying with this question. I should love my neighbor, but wait now, who is my neighbor anyway? So if he's not considered my neighbor, am I allowed not to love him? Hmm. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. There was, there was an implicit exclusivity that the guy was referring to that the guy was, was laying out. 
that our, our, our minds, our minds have the tendency to draw lines where they are not. And so Jesus tells this story. Jesus tells this story about, about the priest, about the man who was left for dead, the priest who walks by, the Levite who walks by, and then the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, who decides to help. Hmm. And then what does Jesus say afterward? What does Jesus say afterward? In verse 36 and 37 toward the end. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Do you see? Do you see the perspective there? The expert in the law. Jesus was asking a question. He mentioned those three, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, the good Samaritan. And when Jesus asked, oh, who was being a neighbor? The expert in the law, the guy who was asking, didn't, can't, he can't even bring himself to answer Samaritan. He can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. And so he just says, oh, you know, the, the last guy. <laughs> the last guy. Hmm. Jesus got him right there. He got him right there. And notice how Jesus turns the question that he was asking onto, onto itself. He was asking, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? There's an exclusivity there. It is as if to say there are people, okay, I have neighbors, but there are people who are not my neighbors, right? And how does Jesus answer the question? He doesn't answer the question in the way that he was expecting. Jesus, What Jesus does is Jesus points toward the root of what's happening in his heart. What does Jesus say? He answers by asking another question. He was asked, who is my neighbor? What does Jesus say? Jesus says, who among those three was being a neighbor? The man was asking, who is and who isn't my neighbor? Jesus essentially says, are you being a neighbor? Are you being a neighbor? It's so easy to think of those who are not part of our circle as outsiders. And we must always be careful of that. Always. Always. It could happen even when we're not noticing it. It could happen even if it wasn't in our intentions. Sometimes you could have the best intentions and get bad results. Good intentions don't guarantee effective results. It helps to have at least an amount of humility to accept. This, this, this line, I'm going to teach you something, and it's very powerful. It's something that's helped me for the longest time. It's something that has helped ground me. That whenever I'm trying to make a statement or uh, convince someone of something, or when I'm trying to, sometimes when I'm even trying to speak my mind, it's good to be aware that, hey, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Even when I'm so convinced, even when I firmly believe in this thing that I think is worth fighting for, that it's, I think is worth standing up for, that I think is worth the risk, I, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm the one who's wrong. And the fact that I could be wrong 
means that it's not worth risking my relationships for it. Because what if I wasted something good on something that wasn't worth it? I could be wrong. We can be so we can be so passionate about the things that we believe in. And that's a good thing. It's good to be passionate. It's good to be on fire. It's good for you to want to do something about it. That's one of the things that I ask people around me usually. What is that one thing that you can't stand not doing anything about? Maybe that's what God is asking you to pursue. It's good to have that passion. It's good to have that fire. But wait. Wait a second. We also have to learn how to channel that passion in the right way. Are you with me? It's good to have fire. But if you leave your fire unchecked, you might end up burning the entire house. And you don't want that. You don't want that. You need a holder for your fire. You need a fireplace. You need a stove. You need a burner. It's good to have fire, but it has to be structured. It has to be directed. It, it, I, I get it. it. It can be so easy to be to get caught up with emotions. It can be so easy to get caught up with frustrations. To get to get caught up with all of these feelings. But your feelings, your feelings are not always indicators of the truth. And you could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. The least that I could do is at least be a neighbor, even to the people that I disagree with. We need to build bridges because we are already divided enough as it is. You see it? We, we see it all around us. I see it all around me. Just go to Twitter. Even on Facebook nowadays. You know, you, you, we have an environment that celebrates cancel culture, that celebrates call-out culture. That if someone says something wrong, we immediately assume that it's not good, it's we can be too quick to jump to conclusions sometimes. We can be too quick to judge without realizing that, hey, I've made some mistakes in the past too. And maybe there are things in my life that I'm not able to see now. First Timothy 6. It says... But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Notice what Paul is saying here. What, what Paul is saying here in his letter to Timothy. He says, fight the good fight. The good fight of faith. If there is a good fight, it means that there is a bad fight. Are we, the question we want to ask here now is, are we fighting the good fight or are we fighting the bad fight? How do you know? Get this. Very important. It's good to assess yourself. Are we still fighting for each other? Or are we just fighting with each other? That's something that you see in relationships sometimes. Right? Kapag kami partner 
Alam mo yung typical, sometimes, it, it, this is something that happens a lot in relationships na kapag uh, merong reklamo si guy sa girl or si girl sa guy na ikukwento niya sa lahat ng tao, sa lahat ng friends niya, sa lahat ng, sa, sa kung kani-kanino, lahat kakausapin niya about it. Alam mo, ganito ginawa niya kasi nainis ako pag ganito ginagawa niya, nainis ako sa kanya, ganito sa kanya, ganito, ganito, ganito. And oftentimes, when people talk to me about these things, usually, ang tanong ko sa kanila, hmm, nakausap mo na ba siya tungkol dyan? Ha? Ah. So, how do you expect this to work out if you haven't even talked yet? Sometimes, ganun tayo. We're willing to talk to everyone, anyone, except for the people that we need to talk to. Are we still fighting for one another or are we just fighting with each other? That's good thing to remind yourself. It's good to remind ourselves of that, not just with romantic relationships, even with friends, even with family. Wait, 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 wait. What am I fighting? Wait, 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 wait. We need to get a grip of ourselves. We need the wait, lang assessment. What, what the heck am I doing? Who am I fighting with? Am I, am I still fighting for the right reasons? Minsan ganon yun, na sobrang naging intense na, naging emotional na. Di mo na malala kung bakit nagsimula yung away in the first place. Na pagtirnong ka, bakit niya pa kaya nagawa? Isipin mo pa, oh ano? Bakit niya ba? <laughs> it happens. It happens to me. <laughs> I'm sure that's something that's happened to you as well. Na parang kinao pa yisip n kasi nasad masada na siyang lumaki. Naging masada na siyang emotional. Our minds draw lines where there are none. It happens sometimes. We can we can be too quick sometimes to take sides and to box people, and to box people into labels. We call them all sort, all sorts of names. Kasi ganun eh, di ba? Kapag nabigyan mo na siya ng label, mas madaling mag-talk down sa kanya. Kasi you're no longer talking down to a person, you're talking down to a label. You feel justified. We, we do this all the time. We, our environment forces us to take sides. Ano ka ba? Dilawan o DDS? Aktivista ka ba? Or apologist? Wait lang. Ano ba, alam man laban natin dito? Kampihan ba to? O tulungan? Kasi, last time I checked, we live in the same place. We live in the same house. And we can't let it burn. We have to take a hold of ourselves. It's about time that we stop looking at people as labels and start treating them as neighbors. Even if they're Samaritans. Even if they're people that we disagree with. Even if they're people who annoy us and frustrate us and make us angry. We're still called to love. We're called to listen. We're called to be there. It's important for us to take a stand and to speak up, definitely. As Jesus followers, for sure, 100%. It's important for us to take a stand and to speak up. But it is just as important for us to take a seat and to listen. Listen to one another. You can't just do one without the other. It will get us nowhere. Let's treat one another with, with at least with respect, with dignity. We cannot fight hate with hate. This is something that we need to relearn in our society. 
we, we need to really learn how to disagree with someone without hating. You know, I could care about you, care about you so much, and disagree with you on very important things. And it's not because I don't like you. It's not because I hate you. It's because I disagree with you. Because I have a different perspective. How do we find, find our way through that? We converse. We talk. We treat each other with respect. That's how we build bridges. Nothing's going to happen if all we do is shut the other person down. If we want real, true, and lasting transformation to happen in our lives and in the lives of the people around us, we need to build bridges. We need to strive our way to oneness. That's one sign that the Holy Spirit is at work. If there's unity, if there's oneness, we need to be able to see each other as image-bearing children of God, even if we disagree with them, even if they're annoying sometimes. Anak pa ni Lord. And hey, you're annoying sometimes too. I'm annoying sometimes too. I know I frustrate people sometimes too. And hey, anak pa ako ni Lord. Anak pa ni Lord. We're, we're all in the same boat, man. We're brothers and sisters. Hindi po kampihan. I remember how I would, I would usually have friendly debates with some of my schoolmates way back when. Alam mo, we would debate big things, isn't big things like religion and faith and mga ganyan. Ganyan naman, usually. Like, alam mo, but at the end of it, at the end of the day, keeping up kami. Tatawanan lang kami. Dami-dami namin disagreement. Dami-dami namin. Of course, I care about this topic very, isn't, I, care, I care about my faith very much. But I'm also aware that this person is not going to change his mind if all I do is shout at him. But he might. If I become friends with him. You know what Jesus followers, you and I, what we believe? We believe that the best way to defeat your foes is to make them your friends. We, we, we can't win people over if all we do is assault them with our words. Even if we think, even if we think we're right. Never pa ako nakita ng ganun sa comment section or sa Twitter na parang, alam mo, nagbago yung isip ko. Dahil sa trash talk mo. Wala, walang ganun. Like, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So maybe it's about time that we change things a bit. If, if one strategy is not working, let's do another thing. Let's do something else. Let's do it. Let's do it the way Jesus would do it. Don't fight to win arguments. Fight to win peace. If you win the argument, the other person loses. If the other person loses, you don't win as a team. Also works with, with when you're with an, in a relationship with someone, when, when, you're with, when you're friends with someone. Yeah, now you're friends with a loser. Like, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help us. This is something that we can only do with Jesus. John 13, as we come to a close, I want to read to you two more passages. John 13, verses 34 and 35, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If what? If you post about it on Twitter, if you... Cancel people? No, 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 no. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you are a neighbor to each other. This is the path that Jesus shows us. And you, do you know how I know that we can do this? It's definitely not just by our own merit, not just by our own efforts. It comes with coming into the truth and knowing, remembering, realizing that when I was on the opposite of my relationship with Jesus, he has every reason to cancel me, but he chose not to. He chose to love. He chose to love beyond. You weren't changed when you were forced, when you were shouted at. You changed when you were loved. One last thing. I want to read this to you. This is from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For us. For us.